Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. Stay standing if you would. We're going to say our prayer together. There's a little thingy in the back also if you want to give in the thing on the wall in the back. How are you guys doing today? You're looking beautiful. Are you feeling beautiful? Tell somebody your mask is beautiful. <laughs> you don't have any idea what people look like anymore. I feel like people go home and women just have makeup on their eyes. There's just foundation right on their, around their eyeballs. There's nothing else happening. <clears throat> are you ready? Are you ready, to, uh, are you ready? Hey, hello people online. We're going to say this prayer together. There's people in the chat talking about the weather in Washington. It's gotten cool here as well. I think it was down to 88 yesterday, which was um, a, nice, a nice little difference. Only 84 today. Those of you in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure it's cool there as well. Let's all say our prayer together out loud. That was uh, written by uh, Francis of Assisi. Ready? Say it nice and loud. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is fence, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is fear, let me bring hope. Where there is, let me bring your light. Be, to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. And let's say it together, amen, amen. Come on, yeah, yeah, good job, you did good. You can have a seat. I know it's super weird in a spirit-filled church to pray for something other than ourselves, uh, but I feel like it's a Christian discipline. That was a little Pentecostal joke right there, right? Now you can laugh with me. And I need you to remember, thank you, I appreciate that. I need you to remember that you are representing six or seven people as you respond today, and so we need to be exuberant in our participation, amen? exuberant in our participation today. I have a confession to make to you. Uh, we try to never talk about uh, a service that the people in the church were not in. So one of our rules for preaching here and sharing is we never say, well, in first service this happened, because uh, we don't want you to think you missed something because you didn't. However, uh, today, at the end of my time preaching, I was at the end of my introduction in first service. And so uh, I had to make a hard decision. Do I just keep preaching until you guys show up or do we finish it next week? And we decided for B. So uh, what I told you last week was going to be a two-week message has turned into a three-week message, okay? Is that all right? So I just want to let you know what's happening. So, you know, I could have faked it at the end of today. And then like, oh, wow, I'm not going to get through this. Let me tell you what, but it's already been determined, right? We, uh, we really try not to fake stuff. Uh, so we're just going to be honest with one another. Is that all right? We're good? Yeah. All right. We're going we're gonna to get in regardless. You guys feeling good? I'm feeling good. I was on the road this week. I took my daughter for a uh, college tour, which is ridiculous because children shouldn't be allowed to go to college. They should just stay home, right? They shouldn't be allowed to grow up either, right? Just stay little, ladies. Stay little, right? That's what we want. Stay little. 
Just a little but do your own homework and uh, clean your room and help us out around the house and get a job. Uh, but the other major uh, thing that happened this uh, weekend was uh, Florida State was embarrassed in college football, which is how it should be every single week. If there's any Knowles in the room, <laughs> right? Uh, Miami made them look uh, ugly and Florida won. That's all the sports news you need to be caught up on, all right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're, getting, uh, we're in our second in what was supposed to be our final message in our little restorative justice mini-series within our Do Justice series. Did you, did you keep up with that? We're talking about doing justice. We've talked about it for a while now, and I feel like it's important. And uh, we wanted to talk about restorative justice, whereas the world wants to punish people for getting things wrong, Jesus is dying for us to make things right, right? Like he literally gave up his life so we could be restored to God and restored to one another. And we talked last week about how only God can heal things in a way in that they are better than they were before they were broken. You remember that? We talked about the pot that was repaired with the gold. And it would actually take that level of miracle for Florida State's ego to be repaired after the whooping they received <laughs> yesterday by the University of Miami. And we're okay with that because sometimes these things have to happen in life. And, and speaking of things happening in life, you know, Jesus made us many promises, but one of the important ones that we forget a lot, especially as Pentecostal spirit-filled believers, is we kind of skip over the fact that he promised us that offenses would come. He promised us that hard times would come. And anybody wants to sell you a theology that says that in Christ you can escape the world, it's just not a biblical theology. I, I, wish, I wish I could wholeheartedly buy into that and tell you you're not going to have hard times. It's just, it's just not true. And I don't even know that God wants it to be that way. He actually uses hard things to strengthen us. Uh, I saw this meme that, that, that talked about all these people in, in, in gyms lifting heavy weights. And he said, life pro tip, lift the light weights. They're easier, right? Like, well, like that would just make sense. If you're going to go to the gym, just lift the light weights because they're easier to lift. And you're like, well, that's kind of the opposite point of weightlifting. And then we go to God and we say, like, God, I just want an easy life. And he's like, I need you to learn how to lift some weights. I, you know, it's great that you've learned how to be physically buff, but I want you to be spiritually strong as well, right? I need you to be able to lift burdens of other people. And that doesn't happen unless we actually deal with some tough stuff. That's just how it happens. And Jesus did not come to get us out of the world. He came to give us a way through this world. This is really what happened. I can't imagine going through this pandemic without Jesus. I can't imagine going this thing without the hope of the cross in my life. I can't imagine having tragedy. I can't imagine the thought of my daughter leaving home without the comfort of the Spirit, right? Like, I'm, I can't imagine sending my kids off to school without knowing that the Spirit of God is with them, right? I, I can't imagine going through this life without Jesus. And Jesus came to give us a way through this life. And last week, you know, we, we talked about what you are supposed to do if you cause offense to someone else. And, and part of the reason we started with that is there is an abundance of Christian teaching today. Hear me. There's abundance of Christian teaching today about how you're supposed to deal with forgiveness, right? It's not hard to hear about how we're supposed to forgive. And some people can slide into simplistic Christianity that says that if someone hurts someone else, 
It's the someone else who has to deal with it. It's their Christian job to forgive. It's your Christian job to move on. If you're spiritual, you won't ever bring it up again. And you will just learn how to let your heart be healed and you move on with your life. Well, again, it's an incomplete theology. You see, we have an, an entire Old Testament that tells us what's supposed to happen to people who do things wrong. There is a couple thousand years of teachings on why we're not supposed to do wrong things, what happens to people who do wrong things, how it affects a community when you do wrong things, when you don't listen to God, how other people suffer, and when you don't listen to God, how your life suffers, and how when you don't do what's right, bad things happen. Jesus came in in the midst of that teaching and said, hey, by the way, not only is it their job to get things right, it's you. If you've been hurt, you've got a little bit of work to do as well. Right? He didn't say, hey, now if, uh, you know, if we, we talked all about how husbands are supposed to be faithful to their wife, and now we're only all that matters is that wives forgive their husbands. No, 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 no. Husbands are supposed to be faithful, and if they're not faithful women, you also are going to have to deal with some of the stuff in your hearts if you have been hurt by someone else's sin. Does that make sense? So we don't, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah all right. So we don't fall into Christianity and say, well, it's just, uh, you know, it's your problem if you're hurt by society. It's your problem if you don't like injustice. Yeah, if, you don't, if, if somehow some systemic thing has happened to you or your family, you just need to forgive 70 times 7. That is just, it is not a complete theology. As a matter of fact, it mocks other people's hurt. That's not my problem if you're hurt. Come on, one class, we all clap. Come on. It, it, it is, it's, it's not only is it not a, a complete theology, it's a the deceitful theology. That says somehow I don't need to care about other people's feelings. Your hurt is your problem. And that's about as far from Christianity as you can get. <clears throat> but when someone does hurt you, and what I want to talk about today, last week we talked about what you're supposed to do if you hurt someone. If you sin... If you cause damage, what are, what are you supposed to do to fix it? Today I want to talk about what happens. What do you do? What do you do when someone has sinned against you? What do you do when clearly someone else is in the wrong? What do you do when there's conflict and you're hurt in your heart? What do you do? And this, this, this is, um, it sounds so simple when people try to package it neatly, but life is rough and conflict is complicated. And there aren't simple answers here, but there are simple principles that we can build upon. Amen? Jesus gave us principles to build upon. He didn't give us a, a check boxes or a roadmap for life. He gave us principles that we should let guide our life. So when you are hurt and someone has hurt you or somehow your heart is hurt, there, there's a decision you have to make right off the bat. And, and the decision you have to make is, do I want to rise above this situation or do I want to get even? Do I want to rise above this situation or do I want to get even? You see, when someone is in sin, Jesus likened it to someone, an animal being stuck in a ditch. And what do you do when your animal is stuck in a ditch? Do you lay down there with your animal or do you want to pull him out of the ditch with you? Do you want to rise above the situation? Do, do you want to stay stuck with where the person is do you want to come to another level with God do you want to grow in what God is doing in this season or do you want to drop anchor where your hurt is and stop your path with God 
Because literally, you're like in the, in, the, in the river of life with God, and, and all of a sudden, there is this swell. There's a rock in your river, and you hit it, and do you want to stop and yell at the rock, or would you like to move on in your life and continue to grow in Christ? I want to move on from the offense, but we have to do it in a healthy way. We have to decide in our lives, I want to rise above this situation. I'm not trying to get even with the person who has fallen into sin. Does that make sense? Is that makes sense. I, I want it to make sense. And so before I move on, as I said last week, uh, and if you weren't here, I just want to hit this again, because many times people who uh, were victimized, they hear the message of forgiveness and uh, somehow they think that now that this person has sinned against you, now it's your responsibility to make the relationship right. And, and I want to reiterate that not all relationships are supposed to be restored. However, all hearts should be restored to God. Last week, we talked about what it will take for your offender, the person who treated you poorly, to be restored to God. And this week, we're going to talk about your heart being restored to God. However, if somebody somehow lorded over you, they were some sort of spiritually abusive, physically abusive, sexually abusive, uh, uh, emotionally abusive, they took advantage of you, they exploited you, uh, God is not trying to restore that dynamic in your life. No more than if you took advantage of somebody, is he trying to restore that in their life as well, right? Amen. He is not, he's, that, that's not what he's trying to accomplish. But it's, we have to understand that our hurt and our pain separates us from the life of God. It separates us from the flow of God. Bitterness separates us. And these are toxic emotions. There are emotions that are toxic to your life. They eat away your faith. They eat away your joy. They don't do you any good. Just like there's toxic, I'm going to say it, people. Right? There are toxic people who have no desire to live a healthy life. All they want to do is drag you into their drama. There's someone I know who is incredibly grace-filled and long-suffering with people that we'll just say, I haven't quite learned to operate in that grace yet, especially in this season. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, and, and finally, this amazingly loving, gracious person had to say to them, you are exhausting, please stop commenting on my posts. <laughs> I'm like, I'd have blocked them a long time ago. You are a better person than me. And if you have not learned the joy and freedom of blocking people on social media, I release you in the name of Jesus. Be loosed and loose the block button. If you're ready to post something about your life and you're just like cringing at what somebody's going to say, block away, right? It, life is too short to fear people on Facebook. Life is too short to fear people on Insta, right? Like, just tell them if you have something to say, just write me a letter and put it in the mail and I can just throw it away without having to look at it, right? Like, it's just, let's just make life easier for you and me, all right? You can feel like you said something and you can feel like you're important, right? And, and I can live in peace, right? Learn, and, 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 and young ladies, I don't, I don't care. Don't worry about what people think about you blocking them. Don't worry about what people, dudes will try to shame you into listening to their garbage. Be free in the name of Jesus. And I don't know why I'm going to tell you this, but no means no. And you don't have to explain yourself. Amen. You don't have to explain yourself. No, why? I don't need a why. No. Why not? No, no. 
No. I mean, I don't, I don't use N-O, no, no. I'm saying Spanish, no. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no. No means no. And so last week we talked about how to admit you did something wrong. And, and let me tell you this. <clears throat> Some of you need freedom and need released to admit that something wrong happened to you. You don't get healed when you deny it. Denial does not bring healing, right? As a matter of fact, um, we have to foster in our families, in our faith communities, in our civic communities, freedom to have honest conversations. Freedom to disagree and talk about why we disagree. I, I never, <clears throat> I try to, let me say it this way, I try to create an atmosphere around me where people can feel powerful enough to say what's on their heart. And, and, and then I have the freedom to tell them why they're wrong, right? Like, that's just the freedom that I have as well. Like, we can have honest dialogue, and as long as you're not hateful, we can remain friends, right? We, we, we don't have to keep hateful people in our lives. That's not being Christian, to keep hateful people in your lives. If they're not receiving your ministry, they can move on, right? I don't know why I keep hitting that, but somebody needs to hear it. Can you say amen? Yeah. All right, so we're going to get in the Bible really quick. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have one right up here on the stage. I'm pretty excited about Revival Kids, not just because kids are making noise in the service. I'm excited for the kids. Like, I want schools to be nice, safe, and open so our kids can get their lives back, right? And parents can get their lives back. Amen. 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 Christopher knows what I'm talking about. He can be honest and real with me. Thank you, Christopher. I love you. All right, chapter 18, you guys, are you guys feeling good? That's like three people, and the people online are going to think I'm faking this. Have you seen the internet preachers who act like they're leading a church, and there's just them in a garage? Like, that's not really a church, bro. All right, like, there's actual people here online. There's, there's people here in the service, and we're enjoying one another. Has anybody else been freaked out being around people? Has that, has that like, is anybody else, is it just me? I have been around, yeah, thank you, Chris. Thank you for the honest people. It has weirded me out at times, because I'm just used to being so safe. And I'm just like, why aren't you masked up? Oh, we're outside. Okay, I guess that's all right. Matthew chapter 18. Okay, let me tell you the story. We're going to go into the story quickly. And um, we're going to get to the point, And I'm going to pray for you. And we're all going to be healed and whole. Um, so there's this guy. And as you read the Bible, you have to understand, uh, they spoke differently. They had different power dynamics. They had different structures of society when it was written. Okay? And so... Um, there were different titles for different uh, stages in society. So uh, people would live often in an area that was kind of run by um, someone they will call a lord or a master or the owner. Uh, and it wasn't exactly like the slave plantation system of America. Uh, sometimes it was, uh, but other times it was you were born in a little town and this prince or whatever owned the town and it's just your like everything in it belongs to him you know and so they didn't necessarily run your life but it was still theirs right so like your stuff was really their stuff though they let you live your life and so they would call these people lord right that was it was actually a title it doesn't mean god but it means they're the ones over your life and so jesus tells this story about such a family that lived in such a community and there was a man over their lives and their family and this family, the dad, the husband, uh, the, 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 the head of the household in that time, he owed this Lord money. Say money. And the Lord said, I want my money. Say, I want my money. 
Because I do want my money, right? And if you owe me any, I could use it now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. No, I'm joking. No, really, I could, but no, there's nobody in here owes me money. Um, and so the Lord said to the man, and this is Jesus telling the story. He said, uh, he talks about this guy that he owed this man who was very powerful a lot of money, right? And verse 27 and, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, so the man um, owed the Lord a bunch of money. And the guy decided, I want my money back. And he wanted to get paid. And the dude said, hey, I don't have any money. And the Lord's like, I want my money, right? And he's like, I don't have any, you know, I'll get it to you when I get it to you. How many knows you don't want to hear that, right? I'll get it to you when I get it to you, right? You don't want to hear that. And so the guy's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll sell you and your family into slavery. And then I'll get my money, right? And the guy's like, ooh, bad idea, right? That's not what I want, but guy was serious. So he's going to sell this family into slavery, and the guy, the father, he got down on his face because when you would be sold into slavery, your kids might go this way, your wife goes that way, you're sent to a mine, you don't know. And so he gets on his face and he says, Lord, please, please forgive me. Please do not sell my family into slavery. And in verse 27, we see, it says, and the Lord of that slave felt, say that next word, Let's say it together. Compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Now, this guy who was going to be sold into slavery, all of a sudden, we know that this story in part foretells what Jesus is going to do for everybody. We all owed a debt to God through our sin. And Jesus Christ, by his mercy and love and grace, decides, I am going to pay off your debt. You will not have to worry about it anymore. You are fully restored to God. Can you say amen? Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for us. Now, I want you to remember, there is a, there is a parallel in this story. We are the guy who owes our Lord a debt, and he paid it off for us. We can agree with that, right? All right, we're not stretching here. All right. So, the guy got his debt paid off completely free, yet at the same time, and this is me reading into the story at this point a little bit, but I don't think it's far-fetched. So the guy was on the verge of having his family sold into slavery. That would be, I think, terrifying. Can you imagine that happening to you and your family? I can't. I would be terrified. And if it got to the moment that the guy got me and I was on my face, I would be like, I never want that to happen again. And so the guy was owed some money, right? And so he started saying, I want my money, right? Like, I want my money. And so he went to the dude who didn't owe him a lot of money, but just a little bit. And he went to him and he's like, listen, I'm trying to get my money right because I don't want this to ever happen to me again. He say amen, right? And so the guy's like, I don't have any money. Now, a little parallel again happening in the story. And so the man says, I want my money. And the guy says, I don't have any money. And he says, well, I'm going to sell you. I'm going to put you and your family in bondage until you get me my money. And it's like, wow, there's a little hypocrisy happening here. Let's see, you were forgiven, but you won't forgive. And this did not escape the Lord, the man over this area. Don't forget, someone owed a lot, was forgiven, and the Lord found out that this guy was not forgiving, was not operating in the compassion that the Lord was. And so the other slaves were like, no one taught them, Quit snitching, right? And so they went to the Lord and they said, hey, this dude that you forgave, he put dude in prison. And so we're going to pick it up in verse 32. He says, then summonsing the dude who had his debt forgiven, his Lord said to him, 
you wicked slave. I forgave all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with no longer compassion but anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Now, I don't know the logic here. You didn't have money when you were free. I don't know how he's coming up with the money while he's being tortured. That's a problem, right? But now the guy said, if you won't forgive, then I take back my forgiveness. And you are not only going to not be forgiven, you're going to be under torture till you make it right. That's a scary little story, right? And so we could kind of read in different things on how that's kind of hyperbole and it's not really a parallel. But Jesus knew we were going to wonder about that and he kept talking, right? Jesus then says in verse 35, watch this. You believe Jesus? Does anybody believe in Jesus? Does anybody believe that his word is true? That he's not a liar or an exaggerator? All right, let's read the Bible. Verse 35, my heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Yikes. Oh, snap. Like, look, can we now call the Bible hyperbole, possibly, that it's all just a figure of speech? The problem is, and this is why simple theologies and simple church teachings and happy, clappy church can leave you spiritually bankrupt because real theology is difficult. A real relationship with Jesus Christ is complicated. And there's a lot going on that we need to be aware of if we're going to live in the fullness of Christ. We can't just make up something that sounds good. I was having a debate about this very subject with somebody recently. And he said, I don't want to make up a theology that says this. I was like, you don't have to make one up. Just read theology. Because what you're saying is, you'd have to make up a theology to find compassion. And if you feel like you have to make one up to find compassion, you don't actually know theology. You might actually want to just get out from under whoever sold you this bill of goods and read the Bible for yourself. It's all right there, right? And yeah, amen. And so this, this, Jesus is saying, man, he's commanding us to forgive or we will be under torture. Now, what does this mean? Do I believe that if I don't completely forgive the person who hurt me, that Jesus is going to sell me to torturers forever? Not necessarily. Here's what I believe. People who live the most tortured life have never moved on from the pain. That is fact. Amen. They are, they've never moved on from the torture or the enemy. And if you will not operate in grace and forgiveness like Jesus, Satan, the torturer, has authority in your life and will torture you until the debts are forgiven. We don't forgive because what people do is right. We forgive so our heart is not bound in judgment and bitterness. This is why we forgive. We forgive because we were forgiven much. And Jesus ordered us to forgive. Why? For our own good, mostly. Yeah. See, 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 judgment is so toxic, only Jesus can handle it. And we have to turn that over to him. Can you say amen? Yeah. And so you're like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me tell you this. What Jesus calls us to, he anoints us to do. Whatever Jesus calls us to, he will anoint you with the Holy Ghost and power to accomplish it. And some of you are called to go to the far corners of the earth and preach the gospel and raise the dead. And you can't do that without the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But you can't forgive without the power of the Holy Ghost either. 
You can't even confess Christ is Lord without the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't do anything without His power, including this. You say, I don't know if I could ever forgive Him. You actually can. You actually can. And we're going to talk about the steps next week. But this week, I just want to lay a foundation of why we need to forgive and what it looks like. You see, when we open our lives to the commands, Holy Spirit comes and gives us power to do what we can never do ourselves. You see, when we decide we're going to obey Jesus, it's not like we're just on our own, like we're in some man-made religion, and now we just have to try harder. If you are taught a theology that says the key is just trying harder, like, man, I don't know if you've seen the cross. There's, there's no amount of trying that's going to get it right. It's only through faith in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that you can get any of this right. But you need a willing heart. You need a willing heart to allow Him to change you. You see, I believe that this unforgiving slave still operated out of fear. And he thought that he and his family might be sold into slavery again, and he never learned how to rest in God's grace. He never learned that this is my new reality. If I will just forgive, I will walk in forgiveness. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to put other people down for me to succeed. I don't have to take advantage of other people for me to get ahead. I can actually walk in forgiveness and live in peace. This, I believe, is the real message. And let me tell you this. Burying conflict doesn't heal it. Only dealing with it does. Only dealing with conflict deals with conflict. We can't act like it just goes away because it's still living in your heart. The Bible is filled with people who show us what happens when we don't deal with conflict. When we allow hurt to turn into anger, we can read in Matthew, we can learn, read in James, we read in Galatians, we read in with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or even the Romans. What happens when we don't learn how to forgive? And when we allow this anger and fear to boil over, it turns into even a greater sin. It turns into even a greater sin than what happened to you. You're just there living your life and someone sins against you. And it's like they placed this open door of the enemy in your life and you get to decide, okay, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to let this define me or am I going to rest in God's grace and move on from this? And if you decide I'm going to let this hurt define me, it opens your life to even greater sin than what they did to you. That's what, that, that's what they want to have happen. Well, look at this in Matthew chapter 18. Verse 15, he says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let them be to you as Gentiles and a tax collector. You see, we have been sold, again, a Christianity in America that says, just me and God. It's just me and God, that's all that's important. And we see over and over and over and over in Scripture again, that's not how it works, actually. We need a community of people. We need people to encourage us. And we need people to challenge us. Now, we're not talking about running one another's lives or being the judge for one another. But we are talking about, Jesus said right here, if you see somebody in sin, that means that you can see people and call it sin. And so you've read that, you know, only God can judge me. Let me show you where you can read that. You can only read it in tattoos because it's not in the Bible. That's the only place you can actually find that. 
It's the only place you can find it. And there's a reason that there's a lowercase g up there because people write their own scriptures because they want to be their own church. Only God can judge me, meaning I am the judge of me and everything else. And let me tell you, that's not going to bring you peace. It's going to bring you self-righteousness. And he says, look, if you see someone in sin, man, I think this person's in sin. Let me talk to an elder. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's them, but let's go. And so you take the elder with you and, you know, you go to them first and you say, hey, man, I really think this is wrong. It hurt me. I think it's hurtful. You should probably stop. And if they don't say, I'm sorry, then you go to an elder and the goal here, here's what I want to tell you. The goal is not to keep people in line. The goal is to keep a healthy community. That's the goal, to keep a healthy community. To believe in justice is to believe in right and wrong. Anger is just a shield. It deflects primary emotions. Anger is almost always a secondary emotion. When you feel yourself getting angry, it's generally because you're trying to protect something else. I'm telling you as a person who dealt with rage. Uh, I was going to say, you know, until I got saved, but then God dealt with it, and now we're dealing with it, right? Like, I, 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 have, I was delivered, and now we're walking it out for the last several decades, right? Anger hides something else, and that's how we learn to deal with our hurt and our pain is through anger. It provides us, like, in this hurtful situation, it gives me some power, it gives me some self-control. It, it directs our emotions on a scapegoat. It directs our emotions outwardly. And we want to focus on what they did, not what's going on in our heart. So not on something I can control on them. It's not, no, I can't do anything about this. It's what they did. And we need to kill them. <laughs> like, wait, oh, whoa, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at, Christians? Like, ah, don't we all can agree that they are the... I'm like, you can agree. Uh, I don't want to be tortured by the enemy. And if you've seen our culture today, the most, the people who say they want to defend God the most are living in the least amount of grace. They're bitter. They're angry. They're hateful. They're selfish. This is not the grace of God. These are not, they're blinded by their rage and judgment. It's, Christ has something far better for us. Amen? Amen? See, resentment is when you get angry with someone and you hold on to the anger. It turns into resentment. It's an open door of the enemy. Resentment, offense, bitterness, judgment. This is the trap the enemy lays every time someone sins against you. Stand with me if you would. That is the end of my introduction to my message. Now, here's what I want us to do today. Uh, in, in the next week, God is going to bring some stuff up in your heart. Don't be scared. If God brings it up, it's because He wants to help you get healed and move on from it. Amen. That's the only reason He would bring it up. You got hurts in your heart, and you're like, I think I might explode here. Look, look, you don't have to fix all this in a day or in a week. I have felt that it is a process. And every breakthrough is just another step in the right direction. Can we be honest? You'll forgive someone in your heart. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My heart is clear. And then they do it again. And they will give you so many opportunities to learn to forgive. Won't they? Won't they do that? But here's what I want you to do today. This is the little step we're going to take in getting healthy and following Jesus. We are going to surrender 
the right to toxic emotions. Surrender our right to toxic emotions. Let's just say, okay, I can be hurt, and now that makes me angry, but I'm going to surrender my right to be angry. I'm going to surrender my right to be bitter. I'm going to surrender my right to judge whole groups of people and call them names. I'm going to surrender my right to self-pity. I am going to own my own emotions. And we're going to bravely say things like, I am hurt. I am scared. I'm not sure I believe things are going to get better. Right? Because God can work with that. Amen? Christopher, will you come on up here? I'm going to pray for you. And then uh, Chris is going to just pray that we just get some. Did Travis use this microphone? That is, that is, it is just the sweatiest thing you've ever felt in your life there. Oh, that's a wipe. Oh, I'm sorry, Travis. That was, that was a Clorox wipe. I'm like, good Lord. I think I can see the coronavirus on this. I don't know. It was the Clorex wipe. Excellent. I like that we capitalize on these emotional moments. We're really trying to create something here and manipulate you. <laughs> Clorox wipe. Sweet Jesus. I was like, that thing is covered for the gospel, Jesus. This is my sacrifice to you this morning. I'm going to touch it. <laughs> it's going to get healthy when I touch it. Listen, I want you to surrender your right to toxic emotions. I want you to trust that God is going to come in and heal your hearts. And next week, we're just going to kind of work through it together. Guys, don't worry. I won't be too touchy-feely. We can still talk about football and act like we're not hurt by anything. All right? We can still be, but we're at the same time going to, on the DL, get healed. Can we do that? All right. Why don't you pray for our hearts and people who are releasing this and that Jesus would be in. Now, listen. I've already gone seven minutes over. So as soon as you start, that means you've already gone over. All right, go ahead. Amen. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just lift up our hearts to you. Lord God, and we just open the doors to our hearts. We thank you, God, that you come in and you destroy all the walls. Lord, the walls that we put up that we tried to block everyone out. We tried to protect our own selves. We We tried to make sure that we would never get hurt again. We allow ourselves to be open so that we can feel love again. We can feel the love from you, God. We just ask you, Lord, to pour out that love. We ask you, Lord God, so that we take this risk of being hurt so that we can feel your love. We thank you, God, that you can just pour it out and heal our hearts from any toxic emotion, from anything that has been, that has been trying to hold us back, from the chains that have been bonding, bounding us, excuse me, to our past, to our hurts, and to everything that we've held back into our lives, Lord God. We just ask you, break the chains, destroy the walls, set us free so we can love your people and love you well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Say amen to that prayer. Amen. And I just, I felt this tug on my heart to help some of you just get right with God, be forgiven so you can walk in forgiveness, right? If you're not forgiven by God, it's It's going to be really hard to forgive others. So we're not going to call anybody out. We're not going to single you out. If you would just close your eyes, just respect this, the reverence of this moment, if you would, please. Just close your eyes and bow your head. And uh, in your own words, uh, I just want you to be able just to say, just even whisper it if you have to. And what I would like is, when I tell you to pray, I'd like everybody to whisper something so no one feels like they're the only one talking. Can we do that? You can say, Our Father. You can go over the beating that Florida State got yesterday uh, by Miami. You 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 can talk about whatever you want. Uh, but it's very simple that, you know, just ask Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins. 
ask him to help you forgive others. That, that's what we're going to do right now. And so right now, I'm going to pray. So if you pray your own prayer while I pray for you, Father, I, I'm not sure who you wanted me to stop this service for when we were done. But I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Wow. That these people who are dealing like their heart is hurt because they were hurt and no one's given them liberty to be hurt. No one has said, yes, yeah, you were hurt. And I was hurt when my father, when my son was betrayed. And I understand how you were hurt too. It's not what I wanted. And, and Father, you would, you would, by your spirit, empower them to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord who forgives debts. Jesus Christ is the Lord who completely forgives all the debt that we owed our Lord, that you alone, Jesus. And so I pray right now, if, if you're in this room, just, just Jesus, I give you all my sin and I receive your forgiveness and help me to forgive others. Wow, in Jesus' name. Can we give a hand clap to God doing something right there? Listen, if you prayed that, if you prayed that for the first time, I want you to text GORLC to 97,000. Just text GORLC. Now, if you're a first-time guest and you want some more information about Revival Life Church, or if you want prayer today, text GORLC to 97,000, and somebody will be happy to pray with you over a Zoom chat. We love you guys. Give somebody an elbow bump. Hang out and talk to somebody. We will see you in Life Group. Last announcement I forgot to tell you. We're going to have a first Saturday serve here Saturday at 10 o'clock. We need some people to put together some stuff, some Ikea stuff in Revival Kids and hang some things on walls. Sign up through your life group leader if you would. God bless you. Amen. Have a great week.